You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lesko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we're the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So hit the follow button on your audio platforms. Hit subscribe on YouTube if you want us delivered to your eyes and ears first thing every day. And we appreciate you making us your first listen. James, we're going to dive into a mailbag as we do on weekends in the offseason, just three weeks away. Can you believe three weeks away from the NFL draft? The offseason simultaneously at a snail's pace and at a breakneck pace all at once. Yep, that's the the beauty of going to the Super Bowl, right? I'm looking up, I'm like, my goodness, offseason workouts are right after the draft. Everything's looming and the Bengals holding workouts later than every other team, but yeah. The offseason doesn't wait for anyone, my friend. So three weeks, less than three weeks, if you're listening to this on Friday, the countdown officially on. Crazy stuff. And you're right. The Bengals, we didn't even talk about that. The Bengals holding their offseason program later than everyone else and even later than the Rams, who were also in the Super Bowl. And Zach Taylor last year canceled mandatory minicamp. Am I remembering that correctly? No, they all came up. They they ended it early, early, but they all came up. Canceled yeah, they a all, day. Yeah, they all came up early camp. because they were there for voluntary. Everybody on the That's roster, right. and so they like let them out early. They let them out early, out, which worked out. <laughs> it did. And at the time, we were like, "You really think you're good enough to to skip a day?" But Zach Taylor, to his credit, has been great with load management. None of you asked about this though, so let's dive in. To your questions in the mailbag, no, nobody right now cares, Jake, and I guess also James, about what the Bengals did last offseason in their offseason program. But what many of you seem to care about, and we picked I Ben Nicholas's question at N Schneider's 21 on Twitter. A lot of you asked about trading up. And I Ben Nicholas asked, is it just me or does it feel like this is the year? the Bengals finally trade up to get one of their top targets. Why wait when there are fewer roster holes than maybe ever before? Maybe, right? And I, I understand that because there, there are glaring ones that you really want to address. And whether you feel like it's left guard or you feel like it's cornerback, those are the two that everyone's focused on. But it's not just those two. And so let's start there. Are we sure there aren't holes? Because I think wide receivers a need. I think tight ends a need, and not necessarily in that order. Both needs. Edge rushers a need. We've talked about three tech. So now I just named what five, six positions, and in the Bengals, you know, they've addressed their biggest weakness, offensive line, but there's still a potential hole there. And when you're drafting thirtieth, to Nick's point, I would I would assume it's Nick. It's hard to to know what's there. And so, yeah, from a draft standpoint, would you love to be able to move up and get your guy and get this instant plug-and-play starter? Absolutely. But I know you have the history, and you're going to go over the history, Jake. I don't see it happening. I can't remember the last time, and I think maybe it's just been once in the first round. Have they moved up? They've moved down. They moved down with Kevin Zeitler and David DeCastro. They'll move down potentially – 
But when you're drafting 31st, it's basically a second round pick. And we've watched them two out of the past three drafts trade down in the second round. I think that's the 31st pick this year. So trade up. It's sexy. It sounds good. I'll throw on my hot take chain and love the idea of, you know, uh, sauce Gardner as everyone throws out, especially on YouTube, man. They're like, man, trade up for sauce. Well, that ain't happening, man. That dude's a top five pick. Derek Stingley's going to go in the top 12 probably. It's just not going to happen. So uh, I would be surprised if they move up. That being said, you look at a lot of mocks and a lot of their targets could go 27th, 28th, 26th. So I get why fans will, would want them to be aggressive and potentially move up. And I'm not saying they won't entertain it. I would just be surprised if it actually happens. Yeah, I agree with that, James. And to me, there's one reason you might think they could move up this year. Maybe this is a year. And I don't think it's because there are fewer roster holes than ever before. I actually don't buy that at all. At all. I think that they've <laughs> probably had more complete teams in the past. And, and you named some holes. And this year's draft really doesn't line up super well with some of those future needs that we would like to see them address. So for one, I think there's like three, three techs in this entire draft. Everyone else is either a tweener or a nose tackle. There's maybe two free safeties in this entire draft. And obviously I'm embellishing a little bit here, but you get the idea. There's nobody that's going to be, or there are very few players that could be instant impact players at these positions or, or next year at these positions, if they want to find a Jesse Bates replacement, for example, if they don't think they can get that deal done. And then beyond that, as you mentioned, James tight end, uh, a wide receiver for the future, a left guard. They, they, you could argue that they need a linebacker to to fill in for Jermaine Pratt if they don't plan on retaining him, and he's an extension candidate this year. And if they don't do that extension and they draft a linebacker in the first three rounds, that might tell you where they're at on Jermaine Pratt's future. Of course, there are other linebackers on the roster, but the point is, I, I think that their list of needs is fairly average compared to previous years, maybe one or two fewer needs than they've had in the past. But you're right. The history for the Bengals trading up is one short and B huh, one and B B not that promising. <laughs> these are, these are the players that I was able to find that they've traded up for in, in recent ish history. Maybe there's some that I'm missing here, but Ryan Finley and Michael Jordan, both in the fourth round of the same draft. Neither of those went all that well. No. Brandon Wilson, who's been a fine player. It was a trade-up, I think, in the sixth round, late in the sixth round. They traded their later sixth and the seventh round pick to go get Brandon Wilson. Russell mm -hmm. Bodine, they moved up to get him in the fourth round. Matt Schobel, the tight end, going way back at this yeah. point. And Kajana Carter, which is that first round trade-up you mm -hmm. mentioned, James. And Kajana Carter's uh, career marred by injuries. And hard to say what might have been for his career. But needless to say, if they traded up for a running back in this day and age, we would kill them for it. So looking back, their trade-ups haven't really worked out, which maybe is why they don't do it very often and is part of why I don't expect them to do it now. But like I said, the reason that you might see them do it is because we've never seen them draft this late either. And so maybe they feel we're really comfortable in the 20s, but we're not as comfortable at 31. So we want to go get a pick in the 20s. That being said, another reason I don't think they'll do it, James, they only have eight picks this year. And so they like their picks. They like taking swings. They, they don't mm -hmm. like taking higher swings. And so 
it would be a real break of character to see a significant trade up in the first round. And also it's just value. Like there would be value in adding an extra third round pick to move down seven spots versus giving up. Imagine if they had to give up their third to move up four spots to get the guy that you want. And it sounds great on paper, right? And it's like, oh man, they got this flashy toy or this, uh, you, you know, great edge rusher or, but having those extra picks is how you can hit on. It just gives you more swings, like you mentioned. And eight picks is plenty, but just as you were describing that, which trade-ups did work? Well, Brandon Wilson worked. I'm fine with that. In fact, if they take their two seventh-round picks and go get a guy they like versus just two bodies and, and move up, you know, let's say it's even 10 spots. That's great, you know, and, but that's late day three. Much, yeah. much different, much costlier. The value is much different when you're talking about moving up in the first round. So I don't want to completely dismiss it because anything is possible, right? I mean, they've added three yeah. starting offensive linemen in free agency, but it just it, it feels unlikely. But it would be fun for us, especially on draft night. Could you imagine if it's like the Bengals are trading up to 25? It'd be exciting. Yeah, but I would also be really skeptical of what they give up. I, I would. And and who knows who they draft when they move up too? Like maybe it's somebody, maybe they trade up and pick Kyler Gordon, who we think is a mid second round grade. I don't know. Trading up. Oh, look at you being great. negative. That's negative right there. I don't think they would yeah, do but that. I'm just saying trading up doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get Sauce Gardner. In fact, it almost certainly doesn't. Well, so, Sauce Gardner is going fourth to the Jets. Like you get the things. idea though. You get the idea. Like the specific player aside, it's probably not going to be for your favorite player in the draft. The Bengals tend to think differently than you. And as you said, and I think I said, we know historically having more picks in the draft and more swings is what leads to more success because the draft is such a crapshoot. And speaking of crapshoots, maybe the Bengals will finally roll some numbers on those dice that are in their favor on the offensive line where they've really struggled to draft lately and need to get better. We'll answer that question and more coming up next. Bet online is your number one spot for all things sports wagering. Ready or not, well, baseball season is here, and your one-stop shop for all of those wagering needs, whether it's player props, whether it's season odds, division odds, is Bet Online. NBA playoffs are here as well. I'm rocking a little NBA Jam shirt with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Maybe the Warriors make a little bit of a run. Sorry, LeBron James fans, you're on the outside looking in of the playoffs. But that doesn't mean you can't wager at Bet Online. It is easy to use. You can sign up using your mobile device today, your laptop, your PC. I use them. You should too. Check them out. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Are you watching the Reds this year, James? I'm going to, yeah. I mean, I'll pay attention a little bit. For sure. Uh, the odds are I only went to a couple games last year. I'm not going to go out of my way to go to a bunch of games, given that uh, they, gonna... they didn't go out of their way to uh, address. It would be like if the Bengals were like, nah, we're good offensive line-wise. Well, what? Y you know? And, but... and also, we can't afford to pay the decent players that got us to the playoffs last year. So see you, DJ Reader. See you, Jesse Bates. We, oh, yeah, last year for the Bengals. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's it's wild, wild times we live in. That's why I declared on Thursday's show when you, you were, and I know you know this, but I do. declared it. It's officially a football town in Cincinnati. And so, I, so I that's don't think a lot I'm... of Reds fans, uh, yeah, I don't know if a lot of Reds fans were on board with that, but it's, it is officially official because literally Joe Burrow is the headliner of Reds opening day. Exactly. Think about that. 
That's exactly what I was about to say. I'm going to watch huh. a Reds game tonight until Joe Burrow's not on the field anymore. <laughs> well, it won't be tonight. It won't be tonight. Oh, it's not tonight? Tonight is in Atlanta. So Thursday night's game is in Atlanta. Yeah, that's the thing. Is opening day isn't until next week because of the, the lockout. The Reds are opening on the road? Because of the lockout. Yeah, everything's delayed. Yep. What a mess. What a mess. Next question, James in the mailbag, Brendan Haas or Hayes. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Sorry, Brendan wants to know, is getting better at drafting offensive line required to sustain success over time, especially with some of the big contracts the Bengals have coming up? And if so, well, what do the Bengals have to do different to figure it out? A couple things. And I actually think they're in a better position this year to hit on offensive line because it has been bad and Jackson Carmen doesn't look promising. Deontay Smith is a fourth rounder. We'll see in Trey Hill sixth rounder. Again, it's a, that's a big, we'll see in all caps and, and multiple emojis. That being said, Frank Pollock now has worked with this coaching staff for an entire year. It was a weird one year, one-off type thing when he was here in 2018. And so now I think Duke Tobin, I think Frank Pollock, I think Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, they can all be in sync with exactly what Frank Pollock wants, what fits the run game, what fits the pass game, what what they need as well. And so I think they're more likely to be able to hit from that perspective. But this is much more than just a get the no Frank Pollock issue. And they do need to solve it. And that's why, again, when I look at 31, in a perfect world, they would find a plug-and-play lineman that's going to be on a rookie deal that you can have under team control for five years because they've struggled there. And yeah, they might have gotten it right in free agency. But to your point, uh, Brandon, it's all about the next couple of years. Bro's going to get paid. We'll see about T, Jesse, Jamar. You're going to have to get linemen, specifically on the interior where the Bengals, they're still not going to shove out huge money for guards, right? That's not going to be, I don't think that's a, a precedent setting deal for Alex Kappa. I think that that's a, all right, we need to fix this now because we have a team that's ready to win. And so, yeah, they have to, uh, they have to get it right in the draft and we'll see if they do. We'll see if the draft breaks their way. And it isn't just the first round. There's a couple centers that could be there in rounds two or three that they could uh, add, but they certainly have to draft well offensive line wise and figure it out. And I think Pollock, uh, coming back and you know being here for a second season, which he didn't have that go around with this coaching staff in front office, I, I think that could help. And I think that it's not just drafting necessarily; it's also developing. I, I think it's a little bit of both because yeah, they've they've had some draft picks that we haven't agreed with, and I agree, James. Like there might be some guys they can get day two, day three, and not just center, but also a guard who could contribute. They also might get a guy at at thirty one they really like. But the the other piece of this and the reason that they had to spend the money on Alex Kappa that they probably, frankly, did not want to spend on Alex Kappa and probably did not want to spend on Ted Karras is because they haven't been able to develop guys since the, I guess, Trey Hopkins counts as a guy they developed. He definitely counts. But but sure. besides that, the, the uh, Clint Bowlings and who else? Andrew Whitworth, Andre Smith. I mean, it's been second round pick, first round pick. But I'm I'm talking talking about Andrew Whitworth was 16 years ago. Yeah, but he was a second round pick. Well, they developed him though. 
I mean, he was he, awful. Sure, but but he he was you know there's a higher expectation for a second round pick than a fourth round pick, and a lot of starting guards and starting interior linemen in the NFL come from the third to fifth round, sure. and yeah. and can get developed into passable players in the NFL. The Bengals, and it's not that you do this with every third to fifth round guard you draft. Obviously, like you draft a lot of guys there, and eventually one or two turn into turn into starters. But the Bengals have had no quality starters come from those rounds. Like look at Philly what Philly's been able to do in terms of lineman development, they turned a seventh rounder into a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. The Bengals aren't doing that. And they haven't <laughs> done that for a really long time. And who knows, maybe Deontay Smith can be that next one or someone like that, but you're right. That That's the part of it that really needs to pan out. They have a third offensive line coach now. And, and so we'll see a Frank Ben Martin and uh, I forget the new offensive line coach's name, but he is, uh, familiar with Pollock, work with Pollock in the past. So we'll see if they can get it done. Next question comes from a loyal listener in St. Louis. Lonnie asks, everyone is freaking out this week with the money being paid to wide receiver with the different ways to handle the T Higgins situation, tag trade extension. What does your gut feeling and what is your gut feeling on how the Bengals will handle T Higgins? And another loyal listener also asked a very similar question. Brian at B Artbow also asked, is it, Reasonable to think the Bengals might change the way they do business a little bit when these contracts come due. And it wouldn't even be a change of business to keep good wide receivers and good quarterbacks. The Bengals have generally done this, and you can make an argument that Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones got away. You can make an argument as well that the Bengals had a fair offer on the table for Marvin Jones, and he didn't want to be a wide receiver two to A.J. Green. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes things don't work out. T. Higgins is going to be a free agent when he's 25 years old. I think that there are a lot of reasons that you would want to keep both of those guys if you can. It's just, it's going to come down to the money. It's going to come down to the guaranteed money. You know, if the team continues to be successful and T. Higgins is healthy for a couple of years and he and Jamar Chase are a big reason that they're successful, great. But the other trend we're seeing that that kind of complicates it more for Higgins and Chase. I think Chase is a very high priority no matter what because he's a game-changing player. T. Higgins is a very good player. And it's getting a little bit easier to find very good players at wide receiver in the draft as increasingly more and more athletes are playing this position coming through high school and going into college. So it's a little bit trickier for T. Higgins. And that's why so many of our listeners, and yourself included, not that you're a listener, James, but you included, want... Alec Pierce, if the value is right. Or, you know, could I talk you into a George Pickens at a certain time in the draft <laughs> in, in the T Higgins mold of a guy who was injured, but highly productive. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so some of the names, even in this draft are appealing to Bengals fans. And if they draft a receiver this year, yeah, I know they need to probably replace Tyler Boyd here pretty soon because he's probably not coming back again, but maybe who knows, can't always predict the future. Maybe they also are looking for a T Higgins replacement. I'm not sure. I, I think it's, I, I don't know if I see them giving $50 million a year to two wide receivers. I, I just, if that's what it works out to be, mm-hmm. even with the salary cap going up, that's a lot of money to lock up in one position. Sure. And and that's the part of it is they've been good, relatively good at drafting receivers, certainly good at drafting second round receivers when you look back at chad johnson t higgins you know and and we could go on and on honestly about guys that they found in the middle rounds that have been productive um but look it's a it's a weapons league that's the difference that's the shift 
And so you can't have enough of them. Uh, is it Alec Pierce? Is it one of these other wide receivers? I don't know, but I would be shocked if they don't draft one in the middle round, say rounds three through five. I would think that they would address the wide receiver position. We'll uh, we'll see what happens with T. Higgins. I think they'll try to keep him, but that is a ways away. So don't press panic, Locked On Bengals listeners. We'll get to more of your questions coming up next. But first, a word from Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. And T. Higgins has had a big couple of seasons. Maybe that's because. Well, Built Bar. Maybe it's not. Maybe he doesn't eat Built Bars. I know this. I eat a Built Bar every single day after my workout. You get a protein punch that way. Maybe you're not working out. Maybe you just want a healthy midday snack in between meetings. Built Bar can do that as well. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They taste great. It tastes like a candy bar. That's what's so great about them. They're high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. Perfect for you. Perfect for T. Higgins. Perfect for me. So check them out right now at built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, to get 15% off the number one protein bar on the planet, use promo code LOCK15 at built.com. All right, James. We have a lot of questions in this mailbag. I think we've answered three so far. So we can speed through them. let's, Let's speed it up a little bit. Number one. In the speed round, I'll ask you, Brian Wood at Dangle Dump 94. Don't want to know what that means. Do you think the Bengals would draft Daxton Hill at pick 31, where we picked him in mock draft Monday just this week? Yeah, yeah it's real easy. Yeah, I think they they could certainly consider it. Now, that doesn't mean they would view him as a Jesse Bates replacement right away. Probably but more they, Von Bell replacement, actually. It, and exactly. And a lot of these safeties are that. And Von Bell's entering his last, the last year of his deal as well. So, uh, you know, that's what I would lean, you know, and if he's the best player available, I certainly think that he would be, be in play at 31. Up next is Mr. Nev. What specifically does Jackson Carmen have to do to improve? And he, it's a two-parter. What are your predictions for most improved on both sides of the ball? Hmm. Most so we can improved, start with Jackson Carmen. I was going to start with most improved because okay. talking about what Jackson Carmen has to do to improve is, is, is a whole a whole thing. I don't think we have time for it. I think it's a good question. I, I think there's. I mean, whole, you can give a quick bite-sized thing. You don't have to do it all now, Jake. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of technical stuff that needs to get better. The the hand placement needs to get better. The base needs to get better. The the mental aspect of his game needs to get better. But there's like a whole film study episode we can do there with Mike at Bengals underscore San Santagata a little bit deeper into the offseason after the draft, I think. I, I'm more interested in the most improved. My, my guy on offense, James, is going to be Jonah Williams going into his third year as a starter going into the part of his career where he should take a big leap as a guy who had a pretty promising start to his career, but hasn't taken a massive leap yet on the defensive side of the ball. Can I say Joseph Osai? Would that count? You can't say Joseph Osai. He was hurt. Like it. Yeah, that doesn't count. Come on. I have no candidates on the defensive side of the ball that I think are going to take a massive leap in that case. Okay. There you go. Wow. All right, fine. I'm I think they're Akeem all pretty good. And I'm telling Akeem Davis Gaither. I think I'm telling Akeem Davis Gaither, and, and we'll sure. see. That would be but the There are guys that could get better. I just think that largely the players they have on defense, mostly veterans too, are kind of who they are at this point. Sure. And so that would be the one that stands out to me, Akeem Davis Gaither. Um, obviously, Osai. You could say, I guess you could say Sample, but I thought he was fine. Like, it's not like he was awful as a rookie. Um, on offense, I'll give you another one. It's my guy. I'm not. 
look, Captain America has never failed. And I think at some point, Chris Evans is about to go crazy. And I, <laughs> I don't know when, I don't know what the hell he's got to do, but uh, I think he's going to be much, much better after a year in the league. If they decide to, you know, split him out here and there, you know, run a little, oh, we're going to motion him out of the backfield and put him in the slot and let him go off. Well, then Chris Evans is going to be ready for it. So that would be uh, my candidate on offense. People are mad at me when I put out my little depth chart with evaluating each player as like all pro, pro bowl, good starter, average starter, backup, roster fringe, because I said Chris Evans had the grade, in my opinion, of an average NFL starting running back. They're like, what, you mean he can't get better? I'm like, man, I think that's pretty good for a guy who hardly played. And and that's the thing with him is, how does he get on the field? So so that'll be an interesting thing to watch next year. Our next question comes from Brian Scott at Brian7673, another frequent flyer here in the Lockdown Bengals mailbag. Do the Bengals pick up another offensive lineman or corner before the draft, James? I think so. And it's probably like 51%, 49% because I, ultimately I think they'll probably sign one of each because they have some money and because Quentin Spain's just sitting there, Riley Reef's just sitting there, guys that you know they're familiar with that they could just add. Trey Hopkins is just sitting there. Um, but to me, corner. Lou Anaruma, anytime you ask him about defensive back, he's like, you can't have enough of them. I, I just, look, he got here and they went out of their way to draft defense and draft more defense and spend money on defense and spend money on defense. It's not like they didn't add three linebackers in the Joe Burrow drafts. I know they hit on their, their offensive picks at the beginning of each of these past couple of drafts, but they haven't shied away from addressing the defense. I think he's going to be able to, to win that argument if there is an argument, right, and, and get one more defensive back. So if I had to lean one way or the other, I would say corner. But ultimately, I think before camp starts and maybe in the middle of offseason workouts, they had a couple of veterans, one at each position. My, my very un, uninformed gut feeling is that the most likely player for the Bengals to sign next for who, who isn't like a practice squad type player, like the tight end they just signed. Yep. Would be Quentin Spain. Yeah, I, I, makes would make sense. It would make sense to bring him back, you know, especially in the, the reason I think it's going to happen is I think they're going to go, they're going to finalize their board in the next week mm-hmm. for the most part. You're always working on it, but finalize it for the most part. And then they're going to go through these mocks and it's like, okay, what are we missing? What are we not going to be able to get in this draft? What's going to be hardest to pull off? And then you address it with one of these free agents that wants to, because if I'm a veteran, I want to link up with the team before the draft versus after if you're one of these fringe veterans that probably isn't starting anyways so that's that's part of it too especially if you already have a house in cincinnati and your family's already in cincinnati which is quentin spain's case or the case for quentin spain and you're already working out with your teammates yep that's that's another one all right we uh we have time for a, a couple of more here all right did you see this one from get up six this is a good draft question george uh oh he spelled it really wrong carl loftus George Karloftis and Tyler Linderbaum are both sitting there at 31. Who do you take and why? And for those that uh, haven't seen Karloftis, he went uh, out of Purdue. He went to the Bengals 31 in NFL Network's Peter Schrager's latest mock draft. And he hasn't really fallen that far in a lot of mocks that I've seen. So he falls to the Bengals at 31, the edge rusher. Tyler Linderbaum, who is part of my big five, who would you take? 
Isn't Carl Loftus not part of any big anything because we've just assumed that he would be gone by the early 20s? Go on. <laughs> Go on, because you're not I, wrong. I mean, I'm asking you. I, yeah, he is not part of that because I, yeah, I assumed that he would be gone. Go ahead. It's really challenging because of positional value. I think Linderbaum is the better prospect at his position. I think George Karloftis plays a more valuable position and can make a bigger difference to this team in the next two years. So From the jump, maybe. I mean. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like in 2022, mm-hmm. in 2023, while they have Karras and, and Kappa under contract and hopefully they're still young and, and healthy and whatnot, Carl Loftus gives you a guy who can kick inside, who can rush from the edge, rush inside. They need a guy who can kick inside for those pass rushing downs. Gives you another guy in the rotation of if Joseph Osai isn't what you expect him to be, or even if he is, you can't have too many pass rushers. And say they just roll with Eli Apple and they draft an Alante Taylor type sort of raw, needs a little bit of development corner, but has a lot of athleticism in the third round. They met with and him. now. What's that? They met with Taylor. Yeah, great. So, so there you go. Perfect scenario. I didn't and, know if you that, knew that. <laughs> so I may or may not have. It's it, they they start to blur together at some point if you're not looking at a list. But so so say Eli Apple's your starting corner. Well, how do mm-hmm. you help your corners? Is you get after the passer and you say, okay, if you're not open in three seconds, you're sacked. If you're not mm-hmm. open in two and a half seconds, you're sacked. And if adding Carl Loftus and Osai to a unit that already includes Hendrickson and and Hubbard. And, you know, Akeem Davis Gaither, if they get him rushing the passer a little bit more and Mike Hilton coming off the slot blitzes, it gives you another piece who can really help your pass rush. And I think that the Bengals pass rush could use a little bit of consistency. It was productive last year, but it was kind of drought, you know, feast or famine. And Mm -hmm. so leveling that out a little bit would would help. I think the consistency of the defense and Carl Loftus, I think, would help that. So. There's a whole argument for taking Carl Loftus, but uh, Tyler Linderbaum's really good at his position, man. <laughs> it's tough. And it, and it would really help the offensive line. It would stabilize the offensive line for two years. You probably don't have to think about it all that much. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a deeper draft and, and you feel like you can get an athletic edge rusher a little bit later like you did with us. I don't know. This is hard. This is really hard. I'm going to say Carl Loftus because I think you're going to say Linderbaum. And I just gave a great rationale for why I think Carl Loftus would potentially make a bigger impact. Yeah. Well, you read wrong. Big five is about to become a big six. If okay. Carl Loftus is there, sign me up for a few reasons. One, you, you can never, you, you, I just said that Lou talks about not having enough defensive backs. You can't have enough pass rushers. And Trey Hendrickson battled through about 52 back issues, it felt like last season. And without him or without him on the field, or if he was neutralized, they could not get any heat. That final drive against Matt Stafford, he was begging to be under pressure. If you pressure him a little bit, that dude was going to throw an interception and because that's what he does. That's what he does with the game on the Sorry, Matt Stafford. And I get it. I'm being disrespectful, whatever. But they couldn't get heat on him. And so he had 52 seconds to throw, and that's not what you can have in that situation. So what this would do is it would take some pressure off of Joseph Osai. I know he looked promising against Tampa Bay and the couple drives he was on the field, all of that. That's great. Hopefully. And and hopefully Hubbard has more juice and hopefully Hendrickson's healthy for 17 games. And then hopefully Carl Loftus just gives you that much more and is a plug and play guy that can help your pass rush as well. 
And here's why I would say him over Linderbaum. And I don't think Karloff is going to be there, but Peter Schrager said it and he's pretty plugged in. So you never know is I think that you could find it if they want to go the center route. And I'm not even sure they do. They might pass on Linderbaum anyway, but if you want to go the center route, I think there might be one there at 63 when you draft. And so that's the part of it where, yeah, you, you might be able to do both and just go trench player, trench player. And then people are really freaking out about corner. But if you're getting heat on on opposing quarterbacks, then corner, like you said, it isn't as big of a hole, and you aren't as concerned about it. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would lean Carl off this today. Now, in a week, will I feel that way? On draft night, will I feel that way? I don't know. But today, take the edge rusher, this guy that is projected to be a top twenty pick, anyways, and doesn't have the size concern, like the the scary size concerns that. Uh, you know, people have with Linderbaum. To me, he's 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 much. He's he's not as scary, and there isn't as much risk, I guess, with him. He doesn't need to be a one percentile outlier to be successful in the NFL. That's, the way yeah, Linderbaum that's a good does, point. Which, and I think Linderbaum is, will be that, but still, yeah, yeah. But but that's literally what we're talking about when we talk about risk for Tyler Linderbaum. It's not a tape thing. It's not a it's not a technique thing. It's none of that. It's that he would be one of the smallest centers to ever come into the league. Uh, fun tiebreaker here. We both picked Carl Loftus. I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, Dame Brugler's The Beast draft guide came out as we record today on Thursday. And guess who his 18th and 19th players are? Wow. On his top 100 big board. It is, is Carl George Carl Loftus at 18 and Tyler Linderbaum at 19. Look so at there that. You go. Look at Dame that Brugler's one. Dane agrees. Yeah. And by the way, he's going to join us in a couple. He'll be joining us before the draft, guaranteed. We're working out a Very time. excited. With Dane Brugler. I've been reading The Beast, and we got to get out of this show, I know. I've been reading The Beast for 10 years this year. My first email from Dane Brugler was in 2012, in April 2012. So happy 10-year anniversary, Dane. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. It's It's been awesome to see him grow. I mean, I, I remember reading it and paying attention to him draft-wise for, for a long, long time. And now it's it's a must oh, yeah. for uh, for anyone that's, you know, covering the draft or paying attention to the draft or wants to learn more about the draft. And it's all you have to do is subscribe to the athletic to get it. It's pretty simple. There's our, pages. Pl- there's our athletic plug. There you go. You're welcome. Little, <laughs> little bits on, on so many players. And I love the biographical stuff too, like getting, you know, he, he was a three, tr- three sport athlete in high school. You're going to get that in the beast. Anyway, mm-hmm. we'll have Dane on in a, in a little bit here and that's going to do it for our mailbag. Mock Draft Monday, coming your way next as we get more and more educated about who's in this draft and where the fits might be. Hopefully our mock drafts continue to get better too. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay and have a good one.